Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As part of our Forbes Minute series, spotlighting thought-provoking Forbes videos and their key takeaways, today I explore Hal Gregerson's recent Forbes video, The Four Behaviors of Innovative Leaders. back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I'm excited to be with you again today for our Forbes Minute, this time exploring Hal Gregerson's recent Forbes video, The Four Behaviors of Innovative Leaders. In this short video, he lays out the findings of his team's research endeavor where they interviewed leading experts and leading innovators uh, in their industries and looked for themes, looked for patterns across their experiences to try to better understand what makes for a great innovative leader. He proposes four different behaviors that are part of that innovative nature, and he argues that it's not something that we're just born with. It's something that we can learn and develop. It's a skill and it's a muscle that we can exercise. I hope you enjoy his brief comments with my comments interspersed throughout. So what I love about the work you guys do, you and Jeff, is, is this idea that anybody can be innovative. You don't have to be someone special born that way, like a Steve Jobs or a Jeff Bezos. But what, so what are, the, what are the key behaviors and, and, and how, do you, how do you become innovative if you're not instantly that way? <laughs> Great question. So basically, we interviewed over 100 plus innovators and realized there were patterns in how they behave. So if you and I shadowed them and watched them for a day and just trailed them, we'd see them asking tons of provocative questions to push and challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. We'd see them out there observing the world like anthropologists, think design thinkers going out and doing their sort of observational work. They talk to people who are just not like them. They don't think like them. They don't have experiences like them. They're very different perspectives. Mm -hmm. They're willing to try just about anything, experiment the heck out of the world. So they're always trying cheap, quick, fast experiments. And all of that behavior helps them to think differently. So when they have to combine things in new and creative different ways that nobody else has seen before, yeah. all of that homework, that work they do every day, helps them get these really disruptive insights. Those behaviors that he mentions are so vital as we try to exercise the creativity and innovation within each of us. And again, we're each capable of being innovators. We can do it, but we have to get outside of ourselves. We have to get outside of our normal ways of thinking. And so each of those four behaviors are ways for us to do that, where we're experimenting with the world, where we're going and observing. Uh, he even mentions being an anthropologist. Uh, he talks about 
going out and just talking to lots of people with diverse backgrounds, people who see the world vastly different than the way that you see it. And they're constantly disrupting the status quo. They're not satisfied with the way things are. And they're not satisfied with the answer, well, that's just the way we've always done it. If something doesn't make sense or if there's a problem and you're trying to resolve it and you, you butt up against barriers, norms, uh, policies, whatever, they're, they're totally willing to step forward to challenge that. And they're just constantly looking for ways to disrupt. Now, that doesn't mean that we all have to go around being total jerks because we're constantly pointing out people's flaws and we're constantly uh, trying to uh, create anarchy or something. That's not the point. The point, though, is that it's a fundamental way of being when we, when we do those behaviors that we're curious, that we're exploring, that we don't take things for granted. And we surround ourselves with other people who, who can help us broaden our perspective, broaden our horizons. I, I love that. And it holds true to my life as I consider the times when I've been more creative or more innovative. I probably am not one of those natural innovators. Uh, it, it doesn't come naturally to me. But I consider myself quite a creative and innovative person um, in my career and in my family life, uh, in large part because I try to adopt those behaviors. And sometimes I'm out of my comfort zone and I have to push myself to continue to, to practice those behaviors. But when I do, it pays big dividends. I come up with ideas, I see new connections, um, and then I can move towards implementation. And how do they make sure that those insights, because so anyone can have an idea, but how do you execute? How do you, how do you, are those people necessarily good at executing? So really there are two parts to that question. One piece is all ideas are not created equal. So if I've got somebody sitting in their office just being creative and coming up with some idea versus someone else who gets out of their office, does this active discovery work, you know, they're out there observing and talking and trying and experimenting and they come up with an idea, that second person's idea is just better and less risky than the first person's. And that's sort of the energy that creates ideas that aren't just creative, but they actually make impact. So the quality and variety of different innovative ideas varies in terms of risk level, in terms of plausibility, and in terms of how it can be implemented, the likelihood of implementation. And what he's suggesting in this brief clip that you just heard is that ultimately it's those who get out of their office, who are experimenting with the world, who are curious, who are interacting with others. It's those people who are gonna come up with better ideas. They're gonna have more um, creativity and innovation connected to reality where they see the connections, they see the connected the connective tissues uh, between various disparate types of uh, information or different organizations, different technologies uh, to bring to it together in some new way that they hadn't previously considered. Lots of people are kind of creative thinkers and they can sit in their office, they can draw on their whiteboard, they can brainstorm, they can come up with some pretty good ideas. Uh, but it's not the same thing when you're not out there and going through that experiential learning process, that experimentation that he discusses. Now, I again, I 
find this to hold true in my own life. Um, often, uh, I will start in my office. I will try to brainstorm. I'll try to come up with some good ideas, some solutions uh, to the problems I'm facing or gaps that I see in the marketplace or whatever. Um, but it's not until I start to go out and inter interact with other people um, and particularly diverse groups of people, different individuals with different ways of thinking, that then I can really put my the the germ of my idea to the test. At that point, I'm able to experiment with it a little bit. I'm able to try it out. I'm able to get some feedback. And ultimately, that's usually through those interactions when I start to see new connections that are usually vastly superior <laughs> to whatever my original idea or innovation was. So going through that exercise of just connecting with other people, um, connecting with different spaces, seeing how the world interacts, it, it, it can be completely disconnected from the topic that I'm considering, but just going through that process, all of a sudden I'm able to expand my own thinking, I'm able to open the aperture of my understanding, and I'm able to come up with new approaches and solutions that are just vastly superior to what I came up on my own in my office in isolation. And the second part of that is all disruptive innovators not all, but most disruptive innovators are not good executors. Huh. They don't have the behavioral skills or interest in getting things done the way someone who's just results focused and driven. Right. And so what we've noticed is, in general, these are teams of people who complement each other and together at the top and throughout an organization, they pull off great ideas and make them happen. Here he briefly discusses the importance of diverse teams, having complementary skill sets, competencies, and capabilities that together they have the synergies and they have the, the reach in terms of expertise, in terms of style, in terms of their various characteristics uh, and the way they communicate, that in that environment you can have the dreamer and you can have the pragmatist and you can have everything in between and ultimately they complement each other in their efforts. And that way, you're able to move beyond um, just a good idea, and you can move that good idea to implementation. I've seen it so many times. In fact, most of the time, the really creative, innovative ideas never get to the end of the row, um, simply because those who, who are the, the insightful ones, the forward thinkers, aren't the ones that have the patience to go through the hard work of the process of working with bureaucracies, um, talking with different stakeholders, getting the buy-in, uh, creating, you know, uh, getting the resources, getting getting everything pulled together the way it needs to happen. So you need people that can do both. So as he mentioned, it's it's relatively rare to see one individual who's good at all of those things. But if you just recognize that within yourself and you understand your strengths and you also understand your limitations, then you can create teams that complement your own skill set and ultimately take your innovative ideas and drive them towards completion and implementation. 
what I love about the list too is 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 um, is the the names of companies because it's unlike I haven't heard a lot of these companies. I've been doing this for a while. So even in the top ten, there's this Brazilian cosmetics company called Natura. Mm -hmm. What's going on with that? Why are they ranked so highly? And and, and how does how does how is cosmetics even on par with semiconductors and the internet, some much faster paced industries? That's the same thing we noticed, Bruce, which is basically you've got a very diverse set of industries on this list, and it almost feels random. Mm -hmm. But when you poke inside of it, like in Natura Cosmeticos in Brazil, you've got this company where three people collaboratively run the top of that system. They're three co-CEOs. They're very different people, different skills, different backgrounds, different perspectives, and that diversity at the top enables them to not only pay attention to the bottom line, but they care deeply about the social and environmental impact of their work. Mm. And they get out and they employ and use their people to go into Brazil and beyond to source unique new natural products for their cosmetics, to respect the communities they get those products from, and deliver it to consumers in a way that's valuable and exciting to them. Hal ends his comments with a little bit more discussion around innovative teams, uh, complementary teams of individuals with complementary skill sets. Uh, and, and part of his research, him and his team, they looked at a whole range of different innovative organizations across industries. And so they were talking about a particular uh, cosmetic company in Brazil that not many people would probably normally think of in terms of being highly innovative. And I really liked what he highlighted in terms of the collaborative approach to the shared CEO role of the three partners. Um, what an interesting idea. I honestly have not heard of such an arrangement before. I've heard of co-CEO type of arrangements, which are also very rare. But to have three individuals, that shows their commitment and their ability to collaborate. Uh, to be able to have three individuals that can set that tone for the organization, they can build off of each other, strengthen each other in terms of creating the strategy for the company and driving success uh, you know, across the different areas of the triple bottom line. And ultimately that sets the tone for the company. Uh, all the other employees see those sorts of collaborative, um, innovative behaviors modeled for them. And then at that point, the, the organization excels. Uh, such a fascinating mini little case study vignette there, and it's one I'm gonna look more into personally so I can better understand what they're doing and what they're doing well. Uh, but ultimately it comes back to our ability to create these collaborative structures and partnerships and um, mechanisms for interactions within our organizations. If we want to be innovators, if we want our organizations to be innovative organizations, we need to disrupt the status quo. And that's not what organizations are built for. Bureaucracy exists for the maintenance of the status quo, for the maintenance of the organization. And so what, what we're talking about is, is not undermining the organization. It's not um, moving towards anarchy and trying to uh, bring the organization down. That's not what we're talking about in terms of disrupting the status quo, but it is creating an environment, a culture where people feel free to speak up and to speak out, where people are, uh, feel free to, to share ideas that might contradict previous ways of thinking that might contradict 
the current norms of the organization and even challenge traditions, um, policies, practices, and procedures that might not be helpful in terms of uh, achieving the the strategic goals of the organization and succeeding in the marketplace. Ultimately, it's it's people who are willing to challenge the status quo and do it in a way that is is meant to strengthen the organization. Um, that's what we need. We need more people to reach across the aisle. We need more people to get out of their silos, their disciplinary and functional silos. We need more people to just have those organic opportunities to rub up against each other, uh, to, to have their ideas bounce off of each other. Um, and when that happens, really cool things can begin to emerge, especially when you can have a dynamic team built around different skill sets where they can complement each other and drive towards implementation of the, the creative idea. We need to always question. We need to always challenge. We need to always uh, be observing. We need to always look for healthy disruptions within the various walks of life that we are in. And as we do that, as we do those behaviors and we have those conversations with diverse people and put ourselves in situations where we're interacting with diverse people, uh, we will be able to become more innovative. We'll, we'll, we'll stretch that, um, that capability and we will develop that muscle to be innovative for ourselves and for our teams and for our organizations. As always, I hope you've enjoyed this Forbes Minute and I appreciate you tuning in today. I hope that you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.